Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. again it is still the 9th of september and it's still thursday um last week we talked briefly about the very last roman catholic priest who was serving the only the one and only roman catholic parish in all of afghanistan we talked about his departure from the country um, along with a number of nuns and some 45 disabled children um and this week we're talking about the last known jew Carrying, caring for the only Jewish synagogue in the whole nation of Afghanistan. Zebulon Simentov uh, left under threat on Friday. He took some 30 people with him, including 28 women and children. They uh, spent five days getting out of Afghanistan. After escaping uh, Kabul, they, they then um, traveled by van through Afghanistan's mountainous terrain, they negotiated what is described as several Taliban checkpoints, paying ransoms to uh, pass, or I guess, you know, like bribes, be another way to taxes, this is the way that this euphemistically referred to, um, before entering a quote-unquote neighboring country. Remember, Afghanistan is landlocked, so everybody that is fleeing over land is going to, you know, one of the stands, one of the neighboring countries. Um he arrived uh, on Monday, which was the Jewish New Year of Rosh Hashanah. So that is um, significant for him. How was it paid for? How was it organized? How did they escape? Uh, an Israeli-American uh, businessman and philanthropist uh, is responsible. Like the priest and the nuns, um, this man took with him uh, a number of children. They um, were were able to flee because there was someone, a private citizen, willing to help make that happen. And that is, by the way, how people are getting out. I think it's significant that this guy, very well known, very well known as a um, an observant Jew, lived for decades, lived through conflict and political turmoil in Afghanistan, including the Taliban's previous rule in the country from 1996 to 2001. He left now because he anticipates things are going to be worse than they were then. Um, so that is going to be um, <clears throat> Afghanistan. You're going to see all attempts by mainstream media to get us to turn our attention away from Afghanistan. And I got to tell you, I'm fixated and we're not turning away until um, the people who we care about and about whom we are concerned are out of harm's way. And so don't worry, I haven't lost sight of what's happening there. And I will um, I will keep us tuned into it. Let me share with you um, something fun that is going to be happening on Tuesday. If you live in the Twin Cities, I need you to perk up right now. Uh, Tuesday from 4.30 to 6 p.m., there's going to be a drive-through event in the parking lot of the Mel Johnson Media Center on the campus of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Um, For what purpose? So I can pass out redemption muffins. I know, I know, I know that... It's, it's not a location or a date or a time that works for everybody. But if it works for you, 
then I'd love to see you. I'd love to greet you and bless you and be blessed by you. So all next week, we're actually dedicating our airtime to what we call fall share, sharing the ways that God is extending his grace through this ministry. We love to share the stories and we love to invite you to participate in the ministry. And so we thought it'd be fun um, to do a little, you know, I don't know, share in reverse, something tangible, uh, something from our lives that we could share with you. So for me, that's Redemption Muffins. And if you're in the area, please come by Tuesday between 4.30 and 6 p.m. I'm going to be in the parking lot of the Mel Johnson Media Center building. It's at the corner of Snelling Avenue and Lydia Avenue. You can't miss it. Um, Yes, it's a COVID-compliant event. You're not going to get out of your car. We've partnered with our friends at the university to make the muffins, you know, because they can do it, and I would make a mess of it. We've partnered with Sweet Mondays so that we could package them in a way that's both beautiful and sanitary. We're going to pass them to you through your car window, like a traditional drive through um, and it's just going to be really fun. So if you're available and you can do it, we're doing a special fall share muffin drive through Tuesday from 430 to 6 p.m. Um, if you can't be there, uh, join us in fall share any way you can online at MyFaithRadio.com and obviously by tuning in to really fun programming that happens during our share events. Here to share with us next, Dr. Peter Kapsner. He and I are going to talk about, I don't know, why Aztec prayers are a problem in public schools. Yeah, that's a thing. We'll be right back. Regarding the muffins are flowing in. So uh, a few a few answers to the questions flowing in about the muffins. Um, my my gluten sensitive friend says I won't be able to eat them, but I'd still like the recipe. Yes, and in fact, I will not only not only will the recipe be in the bag with the muffins that we're giving away, you can still take the muffins and give them to someone else, and I will make sure we have some um it's the same recipe for those of you who are gluten free. Um, because I actually make them now gluten-free at my house. So uh, if you watch my, I know this is, I know I'm eating into your time, Peter, but it's still my show. <laughs> no, no, no. So, this is um, so exciting. I'm so disappointed I won't be with so you next week. I made, I made a test batch because we had to, okay, so, you know, they were redemption muffins. They were actually, it grew out of this thing that I did with all this leftover apple mash when we would make <laughs> cider on our farm. And so you have all this apple mash and, you know, you can only feed the deer and the chickens so much apple mash. And then, you know, you're just feeling like the people should benefit somehow. So I made up a recipe for these redemption muffins, how we were going to redeem all of this apple mash. Well, come to find out apple mash is really hard to come by if you're going to make hundreds of redemption muffins. And so although we tried to get them from the apple house at the University of Minnesota, apparently they're not actually doing that anymore. So anyway... It was, and, and cider's not being pressed in the greater Twin Cities area yet. And so coming by Apple Mash in major amounts was going to be troubling. So I redesigned the recipe using whole apples that you just core. <laughs> so actually anybody can now make these in their house without having to, you know, press cider, which people don't have cider presses in their house, apparently. I mean, we do, but not other people. So there you go. So I had to make a new recipe and I had to make a test batch. So I did that on my Facebook Live this past Tuesday. So people can actually watch me make the test batch of muffins. And of course, I had to make a test batch prior to the test batch. So right now I have a lot of muffins 
at my house. <laughs> so, if what you are you going to do with all the muffins in your house right now? If you're if you're redeeming so many apples, what, what like how, how are you going to just put this out there for people? Well, you can freeze them. Oh, you can. I will. I okay. will say that. Yeah, they actually freeze per, per, really well. So, um, yes. Yeah, so, in answer to all of the questions now flowing in, um, yes, you're going to get a recipe in the bag with the apple muffin or with the redemption muffins if you're able to come to the drive-through event. We will also find a way to just post the the recipe in a blog on myfaithradio.com. It won't happen today because I haven't put it together yet for the people who actually do the such things, but I will do that. I absolutely promise. Yes, Jessica wants the recipe. Yes, yes, I'm, I got it. I got it. I hear you guys. The recipe will be posted at myfaithradio.com on the um, Mornings with Carmen page, and we will have both um, the well, it, it's ad- adapted for gluten-free people by just using um, a gluten-free free blend of flour, which is the way I make it. <laughs> and Carmen, I'll give you my I, secret recipe. I expect when I come back uh, in a week and a half that sitting in the Mel Johnson Center freezer is a dozen of these redemption muffins. A, a dozen of so, them. And I want the full uh, you, gluten model. I, I, I need that model of these. So, yeah, you're so, so the ones that they'll be making at the University of Northwestern St. Paul, I'm sure, will be glutinous because <laughs> we're not doing because they are so kind to be doing this at all, right? Right. I mean, the kitchen, we're taking over the kitchen of the university to do this, which is just amazing that they're uh, that they're going to make them for us. I love and it. And so, yes, there will be some for you. Thank you. All right. Well, that's like our whole first segment. Uh, let's talk about... <laughs> it might have been my favorite segment we've done this year, actually. The, Apple the, mash. I mean, this is so relevant. <laughs> it really... It is so relevant. Yeah, it totally is. It is. Okay. Um, and people got to eat. Yeah, of course. So, okay. Um, uh, it... All kinds of schools across the country try to find ways to, you know, build unity, build community, have little things where they can get kids together to do things. But there are schools now using um, prayers to Aztec gods as right. as community building or unity building exercises. Why is that a problem? Yeah, it's it was an interesting article that you sent me on this one, Carmen, and especially in, in light of the fact that increasingly schools and public schools have what are called maybe ethnic studies curriculums. And they, they want to be able to do some cultural appropriation and talk about different ways in which different peoples navigate their lives together. And so we obviously are quite the pluralistic country. There's a lot of people from a lot of backgrounds, a lot of faiths, and that that's part of the melting pot historically that we've been. But I, but I think where people are understandably up in arms is that the education system is supposed to be the kind of system that teaches you about different ways of life or about different parts of history or whatever it is. But it's not meant to then teach you how to um, or, or how you should live your life then moving forward. And so it's one thing to say, here's how the ancient Aztecs would have practiced their religion. And they would have practiced it with, through some of these chants or some of these rituals or some of, of these ways of doing life together. It's one thing to teach about it. It's another thing to say to the students, here is how we are going to do our lives together in the classroom. And I think that's where parents are understandably up in arms saying, hang on a minute, I'm not sending my kids to public schools to become uh, Aztec religious chanters. But if we're going to say that, and I think we should resist that idea, a a fair-minded person would also then have to say, but then we also can teach about Christianity in schools, but we're not meant to teach that you should become a Christian in public schools. You have to have a fair-minded approach across the board if you're going to teach about religion. And, And it was interesting, Carmen, when we lived in Scotland for an extended period of time, the schools were not at all fussed over there to teach about all sorts of different religions. So when you'd get into December, you would, in public school, 
learn about the values uh, of the Jewish faith and Hanukkah or or learn about Kwanzaa, and you would also learn about Christianity and Christmas. There wasn't a fuss over all these things, but they weren't trying to teach you this is how you should do your life moving forward. And these ethnic studies curriculums very much are a bit indoctrinating in the sense this is what you should be doing, not just this is how people have understood their faith. And, and so this is one of those things, right? I mean, as people that are part of the Christian faith, you and me, Paul, sitting here in the studio, so many of our listeners as well, we do want to bring Christianity into all of our conversations. But if we're going to say that asked, that we shouldn't do Aztec chants in public schools, we also then can't try to Christianize the schools uh, in that same sort of way. We have to live a different kind of way outside of it and persuade people through that, not through any kind of indoctrination in schools. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And that's a really helpful um, way of of answering the question about what we're doing and why we're doing it um, and appropriate places and spaces for particular things. All right, Peter Kapser and I have to take a very brief break. Um, when we come back, <clears throat> I don't know, we might have to talk about little Uzi Vert and the $24 million diamond he implanted <laughs> into his forehead. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, returning to our conversation with Peter Kapsner, the comeback song is Making Diamonds Out of Us. Uh, he's making diamonds out of us. That is my uh, musical segue provided by genius Paul Perot into this story about Lil Uzi Vert, who is a entertainer. Um, and the story is going to make you wince. Um, so he had a diamond <laughs> worth $24 million surgically implanted into his face, right in the center of his forehead. Um, and then he was crowd surfing recently at a music festival and someone yanked the jewel out. <laughs> of course they did. It's $24 million, right? Of course they did. So um, I think there are a number of things that we could talk about here, um, you know, where where your treasures are um, and the defacement, uh, the defacing of the body as the temple of the Holy Spirit, but also the, you know, the theology of whether or not God is making diamonds out of us. Yeah, there that was know. that you, you and I and Paul were having a pretty spirited conversation about this before the segment started. Uh, that my understanding, Carmen, is is you might have a bit of a theological issue with this diamond song that Paul was. So I'm curious because you, the two of you are having. I, I just was like watching as a neut, uh, neutral Switzerland kind of approach here, <laughs> but the two of you are going back and forth. I'm so curious about like the theological issues here. All right, so. I don't think God's making diamonds out of us. I mean, I do think that he is refining us and perfecting us. But That's I don't the point think of that the he's song. necessarily hardening us. <laughs> he's not hardening us, and he's not making us a different element than what we were in his original design. Um, that's the point of the song. I mean, the lyric, mm -hmm. he's refining us in his time. You're, you're moving the lyric too fast here, Peter. Quit playing with it. Anyway, <laughs> he's, he's scrolling on the page here. So he's making diamonds as he's refining in his timing. He's making diamonds. The idea is refining and bringing about a greater glory. Bringing about, mm -hmm. a, you know, I, I, I see that as the kingdom building, you know, aspect. He's working, Listening he's to the making. point counterpoint here is yeah. fascinating. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get swayed that, back and forth between the two. It's an artistic thing. But in fairness, I like the potter and the clay example far more so. That that seems to be the Fine, biblical the one, right? Where we where, where these moldable, you know, elements that God will shape and mold us if we're willing to let Him do it. We're, we're being formed all day long. It's just a question by what. But are are we becoming diamonds? I, I, Carmen, I might be on your side <laughs> with this deal. Whatever. I mean, how is a diamond made? 
Under a lot of pressure. Under a lot of pressure, It's yep. still the same elements. It's still carbon. <laughs> Instead of graphite, you get diamonds. You, it's, it's a... Never mind. <laughs> it does, All right. So, metamorphic yeah. rock. Yeah. A it, metamorphic. But, it, you know, mm-hmm. it does call into my, it, it is interesting. We talk in some of my classes about the theology of worship songs. And if we can just step back, I mean, music has a way of getting into certain spots in our hearts that uh, simple teaching or, or what's called didactic lecturing doesn't. It, we, we need to stimulate our minds, of course, but, but worship really gets into our hearts in a lot of ways. And I think it's really helpful to step back sometimes and think, so what is true in the theology of these worship songs? I remember somebody was um, singing the song, He's a Good, Good Father, He's a Good, Good Father, the Chris Tomlin song. And that is, of course, true. Uh, but some of the lyrics of the song seem to indicate that nothing will ever go wrong in your life because he is a good, good father. And people, I, I, just to step back and, and move beyond the intrigue of the worship experience itself, which I love worship. I, I love corporate and communal worship. It's something that I really missed during the time of covid but to step back and look at the theology of these songs, I think is really helpful. All right. Um, who sings this song, Paul? Uh, it's a group called Hawk Nelson. And I do know that the former lead singer has left the faith. I'm, you know, sorry about that. But the song itself, you know, good song. Hmm. In my All right. Well, there you go. You guys know I don't really, I'm, I mean, there's a reason that I'm on the talk side of radio. <laughs> not, but the text line is blowing up with this conversation. I, mean, I can so see not, people. Not a very good music person. Okay. So um, uh, Reverend Castro says the song makes me sad now because of the lead singer. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, left he, the faith. he left the faith. Um, yeah. Robin, Robin says, I'm just an old chunk. Um, of coal, but I'm going to be a diamond someday. See, I think that's the spirit of the song. I right? think it is exactly. too. I think yeah. I think it is too. That's where I, the idea that our body is wasting away, but we're being renewed in the inner person day by day, and that eventually our our perishable seed with which we are sown in this world and a world that has fallen will be raised imperishable. I mean, this is the great hope that we profess. So, if if you want to use it as an analogy, we're not actually becoming what it a diamond, but but if we are going to shine and sparkle with the beauty of heaven that's on the other what it's side, been the whole okay, time. I think. I, Paul, oh, I might be on your side in this because C.S. Lewis does say, he says that if you could see people in their raised, imperishable body, they'd be a creature of such beauty, you would be strongly tempted to worship them. So I, I, C.S. Lewis maybe has the last word on this subject for me. I, I agree. We're, I think we're going to be uh, quite luminous and beautiful beings uh, as God raises us imperishable on the other side. People are people all over the text line are voting for Paul's interpretation. So yeah, I, we're gonna go, <laughs> Carmen. You know I default to your position most often, no. but on this one I might yeah. have to be on, on the yeah, pro side. Yeah, you also of you. know that when it comes to music, like I need literally all the help I can get. <laughs> Me so, too, indeed. Um, yeah. So, um, so Peter, just back to one more thing from this story. Um, you know the. If you had $24 million, would you spend it on a diamond and would you have it implanted in your forehead? <laughs> I can think of, unless I, it was it was an, an Infinity Stone from the Marvel Universe <laughs> of some kind. <laughs> I, I just, I don't see the point at this point. That oh. was a high risk crowd surfing through the crowd. It got ripped out of his forehead. Of course it did. $24 million in the head. No, that's not what I would do with that amount of money. Yeah. So um, I just want everybody to just be thinking about, you know, if God were to bless you in that kind of extraordinary way, how would you invest in the advancement of the gospel in this generation? Indeed. Like that's, Indeed. That's you know, we're the We're talking question. about people with really extraordinary wealth. And we all have really extraordinary wealth when it comes to that which is laid up for us in heaven, right? I mean, my inheritance is great. Um, my access to resources here on the earth is limited. Um, but there are people listening right now who 
who may have that kind of wealth. And I guess I just want to challenge you, like, what does it look like to make mm. a real kingdom investment today I love that. in the advancement of the gospel today? All right. Um, I got to wrap it up. We got to go to uh, Kara Powell in just a moment. And Peter, it's always so fun to talk with you. Your redemption muffins will await your return. I <laughs> can't fill them with diamonds if you could. I'd appreciate mm. it. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not good for your teeth. All right. We'll be right back. It's something much better. All right, every teenager walking around today is walking around with a bundle of questions. At the core are these three. Who am I? Where do I fit? And what difference can I make? They are the questions of identity, belonging, and purpose. Kara Powell joins us next to talk about the three big questions. This is Max Licato. Satan tried to write his own story in which he was the hero and God was an afterthought. He admitted as such, I will ascend to the heavens. I will make myself like the Most High, as quoted in Isaiah 14, 13, and 14. Satan wanted to take God's place, but God wasn't and isn't moving. Satan wants to win you to his side, but God will never let you go. You have his word. Even more, you have his help. Scripture says, For our high priest, Jesus is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Let us then come before God's throne where there is grace to help us when we need it. You don't have to face Satan alone. We shout and God runs at the right moment. Well, I'm thrilled to have back with us today, Kara Powell. You remember her, the conversations that we have had about faith in an anxious world and growing with uh, have been some of our most popular conversations and our most requested resources um, here on the program. Well, she is back today. We're going to talk about the three big questions that change every teenager. Kara Powell, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks, Carmen. It's great to be with you and your listeners. Well, it's wonderful to have you. So, you know, those of us who are walking with teenagers, we recognize there are actually lots of questions that they're dealing with, but you really distill it down into three core questions. So let's start with what are those? Yeah, we think that the big questions that every young person is wrestling with are these three. Number one, identity which is the big question of who am I? Number two, belonging, which is the question of where do I fit? And number three, purpose, which is the question of what difference can I make? So it's identity, belonging, and purpose. Now you might be thinking, well, gosh, I kind of wrestle with those questions too, and I'm not a teenager, and I can relate to that. Those are questions that are vibrant in my life also. But for those of us over 30, those questions tend to be more at a low simmer. And for those under 30, those questions are at a rolling boil. And this is research-based. Like, we have arrived at these three questions, not because, you know, Kara sat around and, you know, talked to two or three teenagers who she knows, right? So talk with us about how we arrive at this place of understanding where these really are the three 
core issues that teenagers are dealing with so that then we can talk about how we help them deal with those questions. Well, you're absolutely right that this is based on extensive research. We surveyed over 2,000 teenagers. We conducted a thorough literature review on the academic research as well as popular writing on young people. And then my favorite part of our research process was we did deep dive interviews with 27 teenagers from all around the country. And we went out of our way to uh, spend time with diverse teenagers, especially a racially and ethnically diverse teenagers. So 20 of our 27 teenagers were young people of color, and then seven teenagers were, were white. And, you know, it was just such a gift to spend four to six hours with each of these students, not all in one setting. We, we chunked it up into at least two or three settings. Um, and hearing them give us the, the real gift of their authentic journey and what they were struggling with, and then going even deeper with them uh, and, and understanding the deeper questions behind some of their daily questions and challenges. So we're talking about three big questions that change every teenager. Kara Powell is the co-author of, of this book. Kara, um, when we talk about those three questions, who am I or the identity question, where do I fit the belonging question, and what difference can I make, the purpose question, um, there's a there's an answer that I would certainly like each teenager to arrive at uh, based on my worldview. Is part of what we're doing here equipping adults to learn how to lean into conversations with teenagers that would gently point them in the direction of particular answers? Yeah, it starts with listening and really empathizing with what young people are going through. You know, I think with millennials and Gen Z, we adults, we are very quick to judge young people. And what we want to invite all adults, you and me included, Carmen, is uh, to not judge young people, but to really journey with them, to listen carefully, to understand the heart cry behind their attitudes or actions, and then point them to God's best answer to those questions, because I, you know, I do believe that God's answer to those questions is the best answer. And so, you know, for, for listeners, whatever their worldview might be, to ultimately point young people to the answers that really ultimately satisfy. So let's do this then. If the question is, who am I, or the identity question, what is the God answer to which I am seeking to point them? Yeah. Well, what we heard from young people with identity is they constantly feel like they're not enough. Um, mm. They feel like they're not smart enough. They're not popular enough. They're not talented, attractive enough. For young people of color, they feel like they're not Latino or black enough as uh, they navigate multiple worlds. And so if that's their current answer to the question of identity, we think good discipleship is pointing them to Christ's best answer. And the way that we define that really simply in one word, and, and we give a one-word answer for each of the three questions out of Scripture, is, is enough that Jesus makes us enough. In fact, Jesus makes us more than enough. And, you know, Carmen, that's one of my daily prayers for myself. I struggle to know that I'm enough and that Jesus makes me enough. And so that's something I'm working on embracing, and that's something we want all young people to lean into in a world of comparison where they feel constantly insecure and like they don't measure up. Jesus makes us enough. 
Okay, I totally love that. All right, three big questions that every uh, that change every teenager. We're talking with Kara Powell. So if that's the answer to the first question, and the second question is where do I fit, the question yeah. of belonging, what's the one-word good big answer to that from God's perspective? In one word, it's with. It's with that in the midst of uh, a world and a culture where we constantly and teenagers constantly feel like they're accepted if <laughs> they accepted if they measure up their acceptance is conditional we want them to know that the acceptance of god and god's people when they're with god's people and journeying with god's people as god uh, Im- imagines that we will that they experience that truly unconditional acceptance and support. So the big word for identity is enough. The big word for belonging is with. I love that. All right, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Kara Powell, one of the authors of Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. You can also find Kara Uh, at the Fuller Youth Institute at Fuller Theological Seminary, where she serves as the Chief of Leadership Formation uh, and as the Executive Director. All right, Kara and I will be right back. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Kara Powell, we're talking about the new book, Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. We have talked about uh, the question of identity, and the one-word answer there is enough. We have talked about the question of belonging, where do I fit, am I accepted, and the one word answer to that question is with. So, Kara, let's talk about um, the third question. What difference can I make? It's the purpose question. Is there a one word answer to that? Yeah, the one word answer is story. Uh, and, you know, the good news when it comes to this generation of young people, some of the very good news is that they want to be involved in purposeful activities. They want to serve others. And I, I think this is such a, a gift that this generation gives us and, and our world. Um, at what's the challenge, though, is that is that they often lack uh, theological grounded motivation for that serving. So, you know, a lot of young people are serving because they want it to look good on their college application. A lot of young people are serving because they think it's what mom, dad, stepmom, stepdad, their youth pastor expects. And so, you know, we want to leverage young people's desire to impact others, but ground it in knowing that they're part of God's story. In fact, when I had the chance to speak at my 12th graders baccalaureate a few months ago, my main theme was God has a great story. Figure out your page. And I think mm. every, one, every one of us, we're a page in God's unfolding story. And young people, you know, teenagers, they have a very short paragraph at the top of that page. And what we want to do as caring adults, mentors, family members, is we want to journey with them as they continue to figure out that page and the part that they play in God's story. You know, that leads me to ask um, a question about some teenagers who, you know, I would say they've now written enough of the paragraph and they don't like it. Can they change? Like, like, how do you help them when they recognize, you know what, I, I have been hanging out and responding to some narratives related to my friends that, you know, I, that's not who I want to be. I don't want my whole page to, to look like that. I mean, do you find that? Absolutely. And young people are, uh, they're so 
so smart. <laughs> they often recognize that, you know, the path that I'm on, it's just not working for me. It might have short-term brought me some sense of fulfillment, joy, but long-term, it's just not. And that's where one of my favorite mantras to give to young people is that Jesus is bigger than any mistake. Jesus mm. is bigger than any mistake. And if, if Jesus isn't bigger than our biggest mistake, then we're not serving the right Jesus. We don't know the right Jesus. And so, you know, what a wonderful time to help young people pivot and embrace that Jesus makes them more than enough. They belong with God's people and they can be part of God's story. And it often takes the prayers, the nurturing, the questions of a caring adult to help young people make that U-turn and, and stay on the right path. And so, you know, I would say when a young person is, is starting to wonder about their choices, that's exactly when we as an adult need to come in and not lecture, please let's not lecture, but ask the right questions. And our book actually has over 300 questions that we adults can use to try to help young people get close closer to God's best answers for them. I want you to just pick a couple of those. Like, what are some of those 300 questions that we as adults <laughs> could could and should be asking to teenagers in our lives as we are walking with them? Yeah, I'll just start with belonging because this is such a pressing, obvious hunger for young people. You know, they, they want to connect, especially with peers. And if you're a parent or a step-parent, mentor, and, and you, you're not sure that your young person is spending time with the right friends, um, you know, again, lecturing doesn't work. And when your kid is 10, you have a lot of control over who they spend time with. You have a lot less control at age 16, 17, and 18. So this is where the power of a good question and asking, you know, what is it that you like about your friends? How do your friends make you feel about yourself? Who are the friends who you feel like you can most be yourself with? Who are the friends who bring out the best in you? Uh, who are the friends who you feel like help you make better choices or the choices God would want you to make? You know, it's those kinds of questions that can help a kid think, huh, you know what? This friendship maybe isn't the best for me, or gosh, I have some questions about this friendship. So, you know, those kind of open-ended questions that are not uh, not wagging our finger at kids, but truly accompanying kids in the midst of their journey, we find that those bear the most fruit. I found, um, Kara, that it's helpful to just allow uh, my teenagers to overhear me talking about these kinds of things in my own life. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, oh, we're going to have a family meeting and we're going to talk about a uh, friendship challenge that I yeah. am having. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I just make sure that Jim and I are in earshot having conversations that the kids can hear while they're doing whatever else they're doing. Um, and so, you know, I I guess I'm hoping that there's some overhearing that yeah. happens and that there's some learning that happens by seeing me, um, you know, struggle with the same kinds of things that they struggle with. You're so right. You know, this book is focused on what you, what are the conversations that you can have with young people, what you can say around young people. But the power of our role modeling, the, the you know, kids, kids catch so much from us. In fact, it's been said that more is more is usually caught than taught. <laughs> so, so really, the ideal combination is when we're doing both. We're both modeling, mentoring, letting kids see us follow Jesus and love others in action, as well as when we're having those conversations, asking those questions, so that we can all unpack our lives together. 
Yeah, it's that withing thing that you and I Absolutely. have talked about before. Absolutely. I, it was just my favorite image of parenting is that um, we're withing. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just, I love that image. Um, all right, I'm talking with Dr. Kara Powell. We're talking about three big questions that change every teenager. Kara, if you could, uh, if you could get us into one conversation with our kids, what would that conversation look like? I'll share one of my favorite conversations to have with my kids, and it has to do with faith, um, which really is the umbrella over identity, belonging, and purpose, of course. I love asking my kids who are age 20, 18, and 15, um, what is something you now believe about God that you think I don't believe? And what is something you no longer believe about God that you think I do believe? And why I love asking those two questions is because it it shows that our faith is changing. You know, what do you now believe or no longer believe? It gives my kid permission to to have a, a, a true journey in in their faith, and it also acknowledges that sometimes we're going to disagree. And you know, Carmen, I I ask those questions and I kind of hold my breath because I never know what my kids are going to say. And sometimes they'll say, you know, not much, Mama. You know, not much has changed. And other times they'll say, you know, actually, I've been thinking about such and such an issue or wondering about this or seeing this in our culture, and I'm not sure you and I agree. And then we can have a conversation about it. And you know, when we have that conversation, my goal can't be to try to convince them I'm right. My goal is to listen to them, to try to understand them, and and to respect their unfolding journey. So I love what do you now believe that you think I don't believe? What do you no longer believe that you think I do believe? Those are so good. What is something you now believe about God that you think I don't believe? And what yeah. is something you no longer believe about God that you think I do believe? Yeah. Yeah, that is, um, those are so rich. Like there's a ton, you're right. I got to be prepared in advance for things to be said there that are going to um, cause me (laughs) deep anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the last time I asked my 15-year-old those two questions, maybe about a month ago, she, she, as I asked them, I'm telling myself, okay, Carrot, now remember, don't, don't overreact to whatever she says. Just ask a few questions. And so she did share. It was a cultural issue where she's more progressive, which is true for a lot of families right now. Our young people are more progressive on cultural issues. And so, you know, I, I asked her, okay, tell me a little bit more about that. And what do you do about this scripture verse? How do you think it's relevant to what you're thinking? Etc. And so, you know, I, I just asked five questions instead of trying to lecture her. And she didn't change her mind, but at least she knows she can still have that conversation with me. That's so good, right? We're keeping the we're keeping the conversation open, and that absolutely. is absolutely critical. I mean, you know, my relationship with my teenager is more important than um, being sure at every point along the journey we are in lockstep agreement on things. I mean, I my journey of faith has uh, taken me through seasons during which I have learned a lot. And some yeah. things uh, that I believed early on, I came to understand, you know what, that that's not true. Um, and so they're going to grow in discipleship as well, and we have to yeah. leave sort of room and space for them to do that. All right, absolutely. it's always a joy to talk with you. Kara, um, is there somewhere online that I can direct people today, that you and I can direct people today, where they can um, find out more? Yes, 3BigQuestionsBook.com. That's the number 3, 
threebigquestionsbook.com. We have a free book chapter there for your listeners, Carmen, as well as a host of other resources that, that parents and mentors can start using now to know what to do and what to say around teenagers. So great. Threebigquestionsbook.com. Kara Powell, thank you as always so much. Give our greetings to our friends out at Fuller. You got it. Threebigquestionsbook.com. I love Kara Powell. I love uh, walking with her in the conversations that we're having with the teenagers in our home. I invite you to do so as well. All right. Here's just a quick reminder that on Tuesday, if you are in the Twin Cities and are able to do so from 4.30 to 6 p.m., in the parking lot of the Mel Johnson Media Center on the campus of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. I am giving away Redemption Muffins. It's a drive-through COVID-compliant event. Um, Would love to actually see you. It's going to be fall share. We are going to be sharing with you on air all week what God is doing in and through this ministry and inviting you to participate financially and prayerfully in the ministry support Um, And, yeah, we're giving something away in the parking lot. They're called Redemption Muffins. Um, Yeah, it's a thing. All right, so it's been really fun to be with you today. Thank you for taking me along for the ride wherever it is that God is leading you in these hours. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.